0: Hello, everyone. I'm Trent Luce. Welcome to another edition of Rural Route, to the program where we gather every day at this time. Well, I'm Melissa Sauter, we do it at least Monday through Friday, unless there's something else going on. And what we do is we continue to address the issues between food producers and food consumers. There's one guy, I don't know, a um, guy lives in Grant, Nebraska named Chase Soder. I don't know if he's happy. <laughs> That uh, this guest is on here, or if he's going to miss Amanda Radke. I'm not sure. What What do you think his situation will be? Oh, he likes Amanda, but he's pretty proud of me. So, <laughs> <laughs> coming to us from Nebraska. And you know, I spend so much time complaining. Amanda's on assignment elsewhere. She's showing cattle at uh, Watertown Farm Show or something like that, Melissa. So, thanks for being handy. So, oh, thank you. Uh, so, I spend so much time being critical of people who are complacent, people who sit back and just let whatever happen, happen instead of getting involved and directing the ship, so to speak. <laughs> Melissa Sauter has never in her life <laughs> been accused of sitting back, letting somebody else just run havoc over what's going on. How are you, Melissa?
1: I'm great. Um I, I don't know that I can say that's true. I've been complacent, um, especially when it comes to our government and the p- political realm. Um, lots of people f- like to say I'm political now, but I'm, I don't call myself political. I call myself a concerned citizen. And we are in the situation we're in as a country because we've all, me included, been complacent in our role as in Nebraska, a second house.
0: What do you mean Nebraska's second house?
1: So because Nebraska is a unicameral, the second governing body is considered we the people of Nebraska, and as such, it's our role, our job, our duty to um, to speak up and participate in our government in a way that um, t- tells, our, tells our governing officials what exactly we want them to be doing for us, and I don't I, I don't feel like I knew that growing up, and I've definitely been learning that over the last couple of years.
0: And we should let people know that uh, w- without telling too much information, you have multiple kids, Your childbearing age, you have plenty of things to do <laughs> as a mama bear, and yet you have dedicated a percentage of time to be dutiful citizen.
1: Yeah, I work full time. I'm a caregiver, mom of four ranging from junior high, almost high school, down to kindergarten. So, yeah, we're a busy family. My husband works full-time and farms on the side. So life life doesn't slow down for us.
0: Hey, it just crossed my mind. It's about time for your chore load to increase on a daily basis. <laughs> Thank <you>, to Trent. <laughs> yeah, well, hopefully you're not going to bring any of those mongrel crossbred hogs from Colorado in there this year. <laughs> <laughs> yep, it's almost time
1: for pigs. Four H is coming. <laughs> we got to get
0: your chore load increased here. I, I'm gonna have to come out there and see you. I just realized. Yeah, I need to make that happen. Yes, you do. What was the moment? So you you say that you were complacent. Mm-hmm. Was there one thing that brought you into activity and being a dutiful citizen, or was it a progression of things?
1: It was a progression, but there were a few moments. Um, I remember being very concerned about the direction of our country with the last presidential election. um, And lots and lots of prayer. Lord, please help me to see what's true. That's that's where it started asking for truth. Um, And slowly I could really see that all of the media we listen to, whether it's CNN or Fox News, either one of them, they're lying to us. Mm-hmm. They're they're waiting to tell us the truth. Um, they, they disseminate the truth when it's convenient for them. And we don't know any different. So our spirit of discernment comes when we ask for it. And boy, when you ask for it, God gives it.
0: Actually, I think those three words right there are the only thing missing in today's. I'll talk to you about the United States Society. Prayer, discernment, and God isn't that really what's going on
1: absolutely um our country's lost its focus on our founding we were founded on christian principles and when when we stray from that we stray from what is good we we destroy what is good and it's it's really sad and really hard to see but it's pretty obvious just look around and start listening and and seeing what's in the regular news and it's scary and I don't want that for my kids and my grandkids.
0: So, what did you do? What did you do first?
1: Um, started listening to all sorts of different sources outside of the regular media. Um, there's there's podcasts out there, and somehow somehow I found this guy named Trent Luce. Um, he's he spread some pretty good information.
0: And... That was that was because of some cattle feeder north of North Platte. Yeah, that's how I but found he... you.
1: Yeah, but it's amazing because we, we both were looking for accurate information and we could tell that what we're being fed in other places isn't accurate um, and finding news sources that make you think for yourself. You mm-hmm. can't just trust what you hear. You have to use your brain and, and the discernment that God gives us and realize that there's always more to this story. You can write anything. You can say anything you want that doesn't make it true.
0: It's gotten so bad, Melissa, that, and this was really a, a conversation that just spills over from across the pond this morning with Andrew. And, and that is three of the major news sources in the last two weeks have been writing stories trying to convince the general public <clears throat> that the dead whales that are mysteriously dying off of the New England coast are not tied to wind when they're working that hard at trying to convince you something isn't happening but you know in the bigger picture that's a terrible place to be that you read the, read what they consider to be news what they want you to know and then you automatically assume the opposite is true it's a horrible position yeah you don't know what's true anymore
1: unless you can see it for your own for yourself with your own eyes mm-hmm. it's really hard to trust what is true and which <laughs> comes back to again prayer and trusting that the Lord's going to lead you to the truth and using, using this incredible brain he's given us.
0: So as long as I've known, I've always been a Christian, but there was one speaking engagement that really caused me to stop and think and it was way early it was like probably 2003 or 4 I was asked to speak at a short line equipment farm equipment meeting gathering in St. Louis and I was talking about these truths that are not getting to the public about all of agriculture and obviously my impetus started in the livestock Mm -hmm. side but I was sharing the message that whether you're in livestock or not, that there are lies being told about what we do in taking care of the land and converting the God given resources into the essentials of life. And I'll never forget this guy. Although I don't remember his name. He came up to me and he said, Trent, I applaud you for what you're doing, but don't forget there's only one source of ultimate truth. And that's the Bible. Mm -hmm. And And that was where it kind of caused me to stop and think and say, Yeah, what we are doing is taking care of God's creation. Everything that we read in the Bible, we have lived or be a part of, and it is the only source of ultimate truth. The rest is up to your discernment, Melissa, and that's why I wanted you to be a guest because, well, first of all, it's been way too long, way overdue. I could have had all your kids on before you agreed to join me, but you're here now, (laughs) so we're going to celebrate that.
1: Well, thank you for having me.
0: (laughs) <laughs> do you want to, do you want to speak to that ultimate truth before I rudely whisk us away for the first break?
1: Oh, you said it perfectly. I mean, there's there is no better source of truth and the Bible is living and breathing and that's that's because our God is so amazing. Um I was I was raised in a home where we we studied it, we learned it and it's it's made a huge difference in my life and I hope that my children get that same experience from from my husband and I
0: that's the only thing you've said that I don't agree with what's that you said I hope that my children get the same chance Mm -hmm. you're not just sitting back hoping you're yep. carving out that path and you're creating the journey. And that's why we continue to love you and bring you to the radio <laughs> airwaves. <laughs> Melissa Soder. we will be back with more roll Route and Defined Discernment. And what exactly is she consuming her time with this year, right now? It's legislative session. That's a hint. We're back with more after this. So, right away today, let's talk about the beef of business. I'm, I'm meaning that cattleman, you have the opportunity to get closer to the consumer's food dollar. You can be a part of a niche program, or you can be a part of the commodity business, or, uh, you can go direct. That are the three, those are the three options, as I get my grammar correct. And my choice is a certified Piedmontese system, because the cattle perform extremely well and the payment is very good, and the consumer loves tender beef, so it's a win-win. You get the opportunity to educate people about the Piedmontese system, too. It's not really widely known. Even in the many cattle circles, you need to explain that the Piedmontese cattle possess two copies of a myostatin gene, which is unregulated muscle growth. That's the end result. And when it's unregulated muscle growth, they become what we call double-muscled, which means they have a high yield, and the fibers are very tender. This is a win win for the producer and the consumer. Details at certifiedpedemontese.com. Welcome back. Roll out, Grant Lewis alongside. Just because it's an uncle or some relative in Colorado, <laughs> you, you don't need to feel committed to those pigs that just are they're, they're inferior. <laughs>
1: They did pretty well last year at the fair. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's been an experiment. We had, we had pigs from three different locations last year, and it was interesting to see the difference. It was, it was good for my kids.
0: You know what the most fun for me was? It had nothing to do with how well you did or even how good mine tastes. Most fun for me is that when I brought those pigs, you were convinced they would never be big enough. (laughs) They're never going to get there, Trent. They're not big enough. for You know when our pair is? They were little. They were adorable. Stay calm and feed them, Melissa. It'll be fine. They were fine. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Tell us about your farming enterprise and activities before we get back to other stuff. Um, you know, anything about soil health, anybody in the family know anything about soil health,
1: that would be 100% my husband, he does his (laughs) thing and he's amazing at it. And I do my thing. I'm pretty good at what I do. Um, I grew up, my dad owns farm equipment dealership in Madrid, Nebraska. So I've been around and lived on a farm all my life, but because he was selling farm equipment, we didn't really farm. Mm -hmm. Um, so my exposure has actually been since my husband and I, um, started farming and we just do a couple pivots and he works for pioneer as an agronomist so i'm i'm learning my learning curve in ag has been pretty steep since getting married
0: that's a good thing we should always have a steep learning curve
1: (laughs) it is so now we have chickens and soon we'll have pigs again so
0: how are you doing on generators Uh, we're still waiting for you trent (laughs) (laughs) wait a minute don't be sitting back waiting on somebody to provide for what you need is that what you just said you're doing
1: Uh, maybe a little bit
0: (laughs) (laughs) don't use me as your excuse (laughs) Uh, i'm good
1: at stockpiling food
0: i thought about you the other day in the funniest place it was church actually and i'm gonna be uh somewhat anonymous on this because i don't need to implicate anybody but We have a member of our church that talks a lot about his family. And uh, we're going through some pains in the Methodist Church. And the United Methodist Church is not in our future. I'm just telling you that. So anyway, we went to a free Methodist Church. And one of the guys who we're very close with and and means absolutely the best. uh, His name is, I can't tell you his name. Well, I could tell you his name. But he's from your part of where you grew up. And he started talking about the Quakers and the the Mennonites that came with William Penn. (laughs) And and that whole historical perspective of migrating from the Ukraine to Russia and his family grew up in the same region your family grew up with. In fact, I think your mom is related, but that's beside the point. I had to think of you (laughs) in that regard. I'm like, Melissa needs to be a part of this and catch all of this family history
1: yeah i'm uh, there's a very good chance we are related then yeah my grandma was hutterite and my my mom grew up in Aurora, so
0: we yeah his last name's freezing, just so you know
1: <laughs> it's a very good chance.
0: <laughs> don't tell anybody <laughs> <laughs> oh. all right, so you have been beside yourself to be honest, and I've been enjoying watching you. That makes me sound like a stalker, but that's not the way I <laughs> <going. laughs> All of a sudden, stalking is a good thing. I don't understand yeah. that. You, you, can put, you put together a social media platform and you're like, I can stalk you now legally and not be yeah. creepy. <laughs> uh, Nobody knows. Yeah, exactly. Election integrity has been a crawl under your skin for a while. Mm-hmm. What'd you, what are you doing about that? What did you do about that? And what are the steps that we all should do about that?
1: Well, it became an issue for me because you quickly understand how deeply our elections touch everything. There's so many fronts to be fighting all over the country and all over our state. And digging into the election companies and what's going on, just looking at what's happening in other states around us, we know with technology, we're no longer in a bubble. We're affected by the exact same things everybody else is, but we're convinced otherwise a lot of times. Um, So I've been trying to learn and understand how do our elections work? um, Who runs them? And it's pretty scary. We've handed over every piece of our elections to a private corporation that is home. Their home is in Nebraska and Omaha. And this company, Runs the elections for the majority of the other states. So, learning about that has, has been pretty terrifying, but we have to step in and do something about it because their elected officials don't, see, don't seem to see the, the red flags that are out there with the current system.
0: So, let's just do a, a basic knowledge base. We know these little devices that we pack with us and now we're addicted to nonstop. Mm -hmm. Nobody can even argue that the components are heavily dependent upon China, correct? Correct. Nobody can argue that there are a lot of people who have been documented and proven that these little devices have the ability to keep track of conversations. And I'll give you a great example. Hank Vogler who's on this program every Monday and has been for 18 years, his wife, his wife's parents still live in China. Wei Mm -hmm. is from China. And back at the beginning of the COVID situation, I'm going to continue to call it the COVID situation. They reported that the, the lines for pork in China, which is their predominant uh, protein supply. were up to two to three miles long. And so I was talking to Hank and I said, Hank, have way take a picture of this line that she was standing in for pork. Cause she, by the way, she was, she happened to be visiting her family at that time. And she ended up being there for four months because I, I don't think she could leave and get home uh, back to Hank. And Hank said, she will not, she will not even take a picture that's on her phone because she knows how her phone is accessible to everybody in China. And she felt like she would be threatened if she's, I said, you don't have to worry about transport. Just, just take it and bring it home. So when she gets here, she wouldn't do it. And that told me, here's somebody from China that understands how monitored we are, that she wouldn't even take a picture. Okay. So Mm -hmm. I kind of got my own self lost in the (laughs) woods. All right. So you've, you've verified that, There's a tremendous ability to track with this, right? Yep. This being the phone for those radio audiences. Uh, Where are the components made for these machines that you talk about that this Nebraska company manages? Where are the components made?
1: Multiple countries, but largely that one. Most of them come from China. If they don't come from China, they come from other foreign countries. None of it comes from the United States. None. And... So I've been working on writing legislation to change that in the state of Nebraska, and I worked with Colonel Sean Smith from Positive America. Ahead of me.
0: Whoa, 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 whoa! <laughs> Don't be whoa. charging down that path like a runaway horse. <laughs> so I just want to lay this groundwork before we get to Colonel Sean Smith because he's exactly where I'm going in the next segment. All right. So yes. we've we've verified, and nobody can argue that our phones are tracking us, and that we know the components particularly the electronic components, just like our transformers that generate our electricity are made in China, so are components of our voting machines. Who in the right mind could sit there and say, yeah, they would track us as individual citizens, but there's no way they would interfere electronically (laughs) in these machines that we assemble in Nebraska that are all made in China?
1: Mm -hmm. Who could rationalize that? Well, we're told by our elected officials that it's all okay because they're assembled here. So that makes it that makes it okay. Just Um, because they're assembled in the United States. So I don't that doesn't rationalize it for me, but apparently it does for them.
0: I'm just I'm just trying to think, how do you convince yourself that that's all okay?
1: I don't, I I don't understand it. And I think that's why so many people are as upset and as frustrated with our elected officials as we are, because it's, mm-hmm. it's obvious, it's right in your face. How can you not see it?
0: The other thing that I'll close with in this segment that's in my face is that I went to the border in Eagle Pass, Texas, mm-hmm. I visited with the Texas National Guard, I learned a lot. 80%, I already knew, 20% we're not told. I come home, I start posting about that Not stop Eight days later, the same day that I post about some real election integrity problems in Tripp County, South Dakota, I am taking off <laughs> Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp, and never to return. I'm just saying, you do the math. We'll be back with the second half of Roll Rout with the summary of the math. And talk about <laughs> Colonel Sean Smith. Melissa Sauter, after this. All right. Thanks, Melissa. We will continue with Melissa, but I want to remind you that Protect the Harvest brings to you the information you need to know about property rights, including the animal rights money train that continues to flow. The amount of money that goes into these organizations and how they don't even do what they say they're going to do. Tremendous story about the wealthiest animal rights organization in the United States today. It's not who you think it is. I don't name them because I don't give them any credit. But everybody names one animal rights organization. They're not even in the top five when it comes to wealth. Get details about that and maintaining a free and fed America at protecttheharvest.com. Welcome back, roll route that loose alongside Melissa Soder. I could get really used to this. Are you busy every Thursday?
1: <laughs> Usually going to work, but
0: hey, making a special special use permit here today with Melissa Solder. <laughs> Uh Two things before we get back to uh, your dutiful citizenship. <clears throat> I was coming home from Rapid City this past weekend and drove through Grant County. And that caused me to wonder, why is Grant, Nebraska, not in Grant County? I don't know. It's pretty confusing because Lincoln, Nebraska is not in Lincoln County either. It's no,
1: there's, there's several county and towns that are confused. I know the
0: Lincoln story. You want to know that one? Because Lancaster County existed before Lincoln. Okay. And it was Abraham Lincoln's last act as president. Signing Nebraska as a ter- from a territory to a state, so in, they fitting. they moved the state capital to Lincoln. No, excuse me, they moved the state capital from Omaha to an area in Lancaster County and named the town Lincoln. And okay. the, the entire town grew up as a tribute to Abraham Lincoln. And it wasn't a town; it just kind of sprung up because of that designation. That does not explain Grant, Nebraska, but I haven't researched <laughs> that, I, so I got to find out. I got to have to know. Let, I can't just not know. Let me know. I'll in,
1: I'll, I'll know. see if I can trust your information and your sources. And who
0: was Perkins anyway? I I have no idea. Could you get a hold of the GOP chair in Perkins County <laughs> and see if that person knows? I don't
1: think she does.
0: <laughs> okay. Secondly, I, we off break before we came back, we were talking about chickens and uh, I had been asking for people who had chicken problems because mm-hmm. there's this viral thing online that chickens have stopped laying eggs. I did. I only know now three people that have told me that they're chicken. Everybody I know in Sherman County is doing great. Mm-hmm. What do you got going on?
1: We have chickens that were laying about 15 to 18 eggs a day and it dropped to five and three and seven and zero. So we're trying to figure out they are, they are laying some because they're eating a few. So we're going to try to work on stopping that from happening. But yeah, we were having great egg production. We've had a light in our coop to keep them producing through the cold and the dark. Right. But it's definitely dropped in the last week.
0: There's always a, A a normal cold slump, but yours sounds Mm -hmm. like that more than people are trying to say. They stopped laying in September and they haven't laid again. That's not normal. Are you feeding them chicken feed? Because everybody I know that switches them to pig feed, they go back to laying like crazy.
1: Uh, We are feeding them chicken feed. We do our own grinding for scratch. So we mix some pellets with about 50-50 with our own scratch mix that we grind ourselves.
0: Try some pig feed. We got okay. we got our own little research project going on here. Try changing the feed, see what happens. Okay, because if they're eating their own eggs, they're they're seeking something nutritionally.
1: That's that's true. Either that or they're bored. The problem is they can't do a whole lot because of the mud outside. So they're pretty pretty well cooped up.
0: Unintended. So, yeah, <laughs> well, they are in a coop. Yep. All right, back to our math problem in uh, election integrity. How receptive, kind of of share with us the path that you took to get everybody excited about, hey, let's ask questions about what really went on here.
1: Well, it started with the seeking for truth and finding other like-minded people in some some, um, chat rooms on Telegram and just starting conversations. They're having the same concerns and issues. And so- um, we purchased our voter rolls back in 2021 and analyzed that data similarly to how Dr. Douglas Frank um, was analyzing other states, and we shared the work with him um, and asked him to to verify the work, and he did, and he said, I couldn't have done it better myself, and he offered to come help Nebraska. So um, a group of us invited him to come to Nebraska and hosted him and hosted several different um, engagements in eastern Nebraska and Lincoln and Omaha areas <clears throat> um, and got got things started with with what he had to share and he's been traveling the country and seeing the same problems in every other state that, that we see in Nebraska. And so that kind of lit the fire. Um, we met with Secretary of State Bob Evnon. He wouldn't meet with Dr. Frank, um, but he would meet with citizens. Um, and he claims that he has overturned every rock and investigated everything, but we have no report, no information, just claims that everything is, is all clear. And the company that, that he's working with has a huge history of lying to their customers about internet connectivity. And we've been told that they don't connect to the internet, but we have no access to anything. The only thing as citizens that we are allowed to see in our elections are the voter rolls and but it's, it's been placed on our shoulders to find the fraud in Nebraska if there's fraud. And it's, it's been a huge battle. The biggest problem is most of the County clerks think that we're attacking them. Um, I've met with several County clerks and they don't, they don't appreciate. Um, <laughs> they don't appreciate us questioning how things have been going because mm-hmm. they are true, honest people mm-hmm. and they've been taken advantage of. And it, it doesn't come across to them very well when we're questioning that. And so that's that's been a big part of the battle. And, they're, and they're pretty per- offended.
0: And I've personally talked to enough of them in my home state and in South Dakota. I'm talking about county clerks.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That not only have they been taken advantage of, but there's a level of fear that they don't want to go against the state. They don't want to say yes. anything that might be contrived as they are they're questioning what the state is doing to them. Which is the exact opposite of what a dutiful citizen is supposed to do. We're supposed to tell the people at the state capitol and in the state offices that they work for us. It's not the other way around. Yeah, they've
1: they're running to the Secretary of State's office for protection because they've been listening to the Secretary of State and doing doing as they've been told. Um, we've had a couple counties that would like to go to hand counting their ballots, but there have been individuals in the secretary's secretary of state's office that have threatened county officials with fines suing them and removing them from office if they dare hand count their ballots in their own county and that to me just screams foul play
0: yeah Why which...
1: why we've got counties with 400 ballots why do that why do they have a machine at all so it's it's very concerning obviously
0: Well, that was what Tripp County, South Dakota did, was that Mm -hmm. there were a couple of precincts that did the machines, but also hand-counted the ballots. Mm -hmm. Why why would you be opposed to that? If a county wants to hand-count the ballots, why would a state secretary, any state, say, no, you can't do that? Correct. Well, in our state
1: constitution, does not give the legislature the power to dictate all of that. Um, It's, it's pretty scary how much power our secretary of state has been given. And I don't know, I don't know law well enough to know this, but it, it really appears to me that they've given him power that he constitutionally shouldn't have. And we've, we have turned our country upside down and we think the power starts at the top, but it starts at the bottom and we aren't taught that in school. That's, that's an, a new realization and a new understanding for me as a citizen in the last couple of years. And we need to take that power back. We have to take that power back if we want to save our country.
0: I, I'm going to make this assessment in my own state, and, uh, and I'm saying it only to inspire others to really ask questions and, and see what's going on in your home state. I was able to witness and and not travel with, but be at the same location as Secretary of State Bob Ebenen through a a big chunk of the primary election season, as you well know. Mm -hmm. My assessment, and I got a feeling you might disagree with this, but that'll lead to a good discussion. My assessment (laughs) is that Bob Ebenen did not do anything nefariously, but, He immediately rejected the notion from you and anybody in the state who questioned the integrity of what was going on in the elections. And he did it so long, so quickly that he had no choice but to continue down that path and try to say that's the right answer because otherwise he's got egg on his face. It appears to me that he put his own self-image above that of the will of the people
1: i would I would agree with most of that. I don't know if he's done anything nefarious or not because I don't have access to any proof
0: right
1: Do I believe he did? I don't know. I think there's there are a lot of people who have told me that he's a great guy and and have known him for a long time, and so it's it took me a long time to to question him because there were so many people that that admire him mm-hmm. um so i would I would agree most likely it's self preservation that he's he's climbed this hill and he can't back down. He was, he was like every other secretary of state several days after the November 2020 election, they're all proclaiming. It was the most secure election in history. There was not enough time to validate that statement period. It was impossible to validate that statement yet they were out claiming it. And he is part of the exact same Secretary of state associations as every other secretary of state in the, in the United States. And the, the Secretary of State of Colorado is the head of that. And she's terrifying. She is she has used everything within her power to, to remove every ounce of power that the county clerks have in Colorado.
0: And he's part of that same group. And in fact, I think most of us have seen a documentary about one particular county clerk in Colorado yep. who threw a red flag and said, Hey, this isn't right. And the reason that everybody is reluctant and lives in fear is because of what that secretary of state has attempted to do to said Colorado clerk from the West side of the Rockies.
1: Yep. I've had clerks say they don't want to be a Tina Peters. They're terrified because they know they don't have the power. For those that
0: don't know, Tina Peters was the County clerk who took on the state of Colorado and they just lash, they just went after her like she was a, a serial killer.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, she's got lawsuit after lawsuit that she's fighting so they they lawfare good honest people into positions where they can no longer survive that's their goal that's how they shut us up
0: roll route Trent Lewis, Melissa Sauter we'll be back with the last segment of this discussion hopefully inspiring all of us on where we need to go going forward truth in elections and integrity what could be more important more roll route after this well, I have big news. This is happening. The Wall of Honor continues to be the forefront. Putting this monitor in your business might just be the answer to generating the appreciation in the community that we need for the veterans and the first responders. Big news. On, de- uh, de- I don't know why I said December. February 20th, President's Day, I'll be in the Bismarck State Capitol. That's the state capital of North Dakota in Bismarck. At 12.30 p.m. Central Time, recognizing all legislators in North Dakota who are veterans. Details about that can be found on the web, org. Welcome back. at Route route Trent Lewis alongside Melissa Sauter, chuckling at our pig stories. <laughs> can I bring those to you next week? I'd like to get them off of my feed bill.
1: Uh, no, our... our- Pigpen is still filled with snow.
0: That's not my problem. That's your problem.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it is for now.
0: <laughs> so here is what I I really wanted us to spend time on because even me I I, I got to be honest I don't know how you write legislation I don't know how you make that happen I just know that legislation is sponsored by elected officials and it is amended. It is discussed. It is all of these things happen, but I have no idea how it originates and you start, and you know where to start writing statutes. Do you? Uh,
1: I have a better idea now since (laughs) I've been doing it for a few months.
0: (laughs) Why are you doing this? Tell us to get, walk us through this path.
1: So with, with the changes in the GOP in Nebraska, they created, um, Legislative subcommittees and the goal of those subcommittees is to start bringing forward legislation from we, the people, utilizing the second house um, that's (laughs) that should have been active and involved in the first place. And so our committees discuss the ideas, what 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 needs solved? What are the problems in Nebraska? Um, And most of us are pretty new to the process. So we've been out talking to our our fellow county members and other people across the state um, I've been learning about our elections and, and learning about the concerns and the problems that we have. So you just start with, start with your best ideas and you talk as a group and, and decide, okay, these are our priorities. These are the things that we need to have happen in, in our state. Um, we write up a bill proposal, so iron out what exactly we want the law to say. And then a a Senator has been working with our subcommittee to submit those bill proposals to the bill writers in the Capitol. And so then the bill writers take those concepts, those, those ideas, the, um, the ultimate goal of the, the bill that we're aiming for. And they turn that into the legislation. So they go through the statutes and comb through it. They strike through what needs to be removed. They add and underline what needs to be added in, um, so it's, it's an amazing job what they get done, and they do it in, in fast, um, very very quickly. So we've been working with senators to get that done. Um, as a committee, I'm co-chairing the Election Integrity Legislative Subcommittee. Um, we put forward, I believe, eight bills, and six of those bills were taken up by different senators.
0: Let's, let's stop there a moment. Because I think that's an interesting concept. You literally write a bill and then seek senators to be sponsors, co-sponsors, to take it forward. Because you could spend a lot of time and effort on a bill, which it sounds like you've got two, that may never see the light of day. In fact, are we approaching the deadline in Nebraska for bill submission?
1: It's passed. Oh, yeah. We're approaching
0: it really close.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yep. So if they weren't sponsored by now, they're done for this session. We can we can hold them over for another session and um, tweak them. Talk to the senators, ask them what they were opposed to in the bill. Um, how could we make it better? How could we make it stronger? So they're not necessarily completely gone and toast, but for this Nebraska. session, they are.
0: In Nebraska, we meet every year for a, a alternate number of year, months, few months each year. I, you know, my proposal. Here's my bill. I'm going to write a bill and I don't need a, a bill writer to do it. Melissa, I can do it myself. I propose that we have a law that all states and national U S house U S Senate can only meet every five years. That's my bill. That could be pretty good. That so, could be great. it would screw less stuff up. Yes, it
1: could. And that's the other part of, that's the other part of what we as citizens need to be doing is, and I've had conversations with people. I said, we might not get these bills across the finish line. If all we get done is stopping bad legislation, it's still a success Mm -hmm. because there's a lot of really bad, bad ideas out there that they want (laughs) to,
0: they want to pass and, and put their thumb on us with. So, you know, I'm glad you brought that up because it's quite perplexing to me in 2023. we, We feel like we have an awareness of how controlling and, over zealot this government is at the federal level and we think at the state level everybody's got it figured out that the problem is biden mm-hmm. if you look at what's going on in state proposed legislation in the states that i pay attention to for example i don't know if you caught this or not but house bill 2211 in kansas which was discussed in committee this week is wanting to give authority to the National Guard to show up at school board meetings and keep the mama bears and the domestic terrorist in check. Are you it's, kidding me? We have a state proposed, we have some senator that thinks that this is a good idea?
1: It's insane and they're they're getting more bold, which I guess helps us because we can see the truth, we can see what their agenda is. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't help if we aren't going to if we're not going to fight back. And that's where our complacency—we we like a life of convenience—and we we've allowed that to affect our voting because about half of Nebraska now votes by mail, and our fine uh, with We're it. gonna get that fixed. We need to. That's that's the goal of some of our legislation. Um, Senator Erdman's voter ID bill that we worked with him on—it it changes elections to absentee are for military and people with disabilities only. It's got to change. We're we're sacrificing honesty and and truth for convenience.
0: It seems to me, in the in the name of voter integrity, that's the one surefire way to uh, assist in improving the the integrity of the election is mm-hmm. to vote on election day. Is that that doesn't seem like too much to ask?
1: There's, it doesn't seem like too much, especially when you start to think about the soldiers who have given the ultimate sacrifice so that way we get to have our voice. And to me, I've, I have been, um, I've been affected by my own decision because I used to vote by mail Mm -hmm. and I'm very disappointed in myself. And I have to, I have to live with that, but I have to go forward and know that I know better now. And it's my job to help other people understand that we're dishonoring those um, soldiers who have sacrificed some of them their lives, lots of them hours and and days and days without their families. That's not not showing gratitude for what they've done for us when we vote by mail, plain and simple.
0: So what in the last, we'll just say since the election 2020, of uh, November 2020, what about the representative republic has changed in your optimism or pessimism?
1: Well, it depends on the day sometimes. <laughs> um, I'm optimistic because there's a lot of people like me that see the problems. Um, there are groups all across the country in different states um, working together. There's, there's contacts. Um, some, some groups work together. Some groups work on their own. Um, but there are a lot of very concerned citizens that are fighting back. But at some point, it, it takes more than just a few to make the change. And that's where, I mean, you know, I don't want to be out and about in, in public proclaiming what I'm up to, but if I don't, then it's not going to make a difference for enough people. They have to know, I have, I have to share what I've learned for other people to realize what's going on too.
0: One thing we have to do before we run out of time and we have three minutes so that, you know, I I think a breath of fresh air in this whole discussion has been Colonel Sean Smith, who just, who got thrust into this situation you want to give us to sean smith and he has been on this program before thanks to you but kind of walk us through how he's been a part of it and, and what you think he plays a role in going forward so he i worked directly
1: with him on a couple of the bill ideas because i knew i don't have the knowledge to make sure that it's sufficient language um one of the basic I, so I give him the basic idea of like, this is what we want to do. How how do we write the language? So he helped write the language for the bill proposal. And two of those bills that he helped me with were the Made in the USA Act. So our election machines have to have components. The entire system has to be designed and built in the United States. My first My first conversation with him was, I want to ban everything from China. He said, well, that's great. But what about... The assembly lines in Mexico, in South America, who have Chinese nationals on their assembly lines So OK, well, we better ch- we better go a little bit farther than just from China on this. And he he was able to come up with the language. So now that is in the actual bill proposed law for the state of Nebraska to change. So that way, every machine, every electronic device used in our elections in the state of Nebraska would have to be made in the USA from start to finish. Um, The other one is a ballot integrity bill. Right now, our ballots are printed on regular paper. And we just talked about um, ballots going through the mail. I had 12 people in my county tell me that they received ballots that they never requested. Where did those ballots come from? That's a rapid problem. it, It is. It's all over. So mm. the other bill is making sure that our ballots are printed in a way that's similar to our money, our dollar bill. And Sean helped with the language on that as well.
0: Anything else, Melissa?
1: Um, our voter ID. So because uh, in our last election, the citizens passed a constitutional amendment to require photo voter ID, the legislature has to pass something before they can have another election. Um I think there's probably eight to 10 different voter ID bills before our legislature right now. Senator Slama proposed hers last week, I believe. Um, There's some good points to it, but it's not strong enough. Um, Right now the goal is to work together with her and Senator Erdman, who's proposed the bill that we've been working on with him. Um, the, The biggest issue with any voter ID bill is does Is there a way to verify that the voter is a citizen? And right now, Slamas does not address that. I haven't seen it in in any of the other legislation as well, but our constitution requires that every every voter has to be a citizen of the United States and a president of Nebraska. And those two things have to be met and they have to be met strong enough that a person is allowed to vote.
0: That at the end of the day should be Elementary. You should vote on election day, and you gotta be a citizen of the United States. In fact, you gotta be a citizen of the state you're voting in.
1: Correct. And we how agree. do you how do you verify that if we're voting absentee? That's why the absentee yeah. has to change. We we want That's, a photo voter ID in front of us.
0: Have you seen my book, Melissa?
1: No. Why? Oh uh, I've I seen that picture.
0: I've only had nine of these books left. There's sixty of them. 51 in circulation but and, the reason I'm, you forgot
1: to mail it to me or what
0: you didn't send me a check Oh, <laughs> but every one of these pictures is taken on my phone and i want to share with you you are the poster child for this and it's a the engraving above the north door at the nebraska state capitol which says the salvation of the state is the watchfulness in the, the citizen Melissa Sauter is the poster child for that. (laughs) We've successfully journeyed down the road. What are you going to do? That's the question of the day. What are you going to do to be a dutiful citizen? All roads do lead to a roll route. We got to get out of here. We're way late.